The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And there's screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who goes this town tonight. Hey, welcome into the Kwame Lasker Sports Talk Show. We are live, we are in studio. This is me, Demi Lache. Kwame Lester is formally out the studio, but she'll be calling in here pretty soon. Uh, hope you, uh, he's on now. All right, well, we got Kwame. He should be on the lines now. Kwame, what's going on? Um, it was all right. I don't even know what I did. Didn't do anything. Oh, I went to, what, you got people in town? A family? Yeah, I had family in town. I had some family coming in um, for the holiday, getting ready for Thursday for Thanksgiving. And, then of course, mm-hmm. you know, Black Friday shopping. But oh, okay. yeah, you know, just just have family stuff come in, took them out a little bit, let them see the city of Phoenix, did some uh, they, sightseeing and whatnot. What's that? They no, nah, they still in town. They're gonna be here all through the holiday. So, oh. yeah, I gotta spend yeah, time with them all week. On Saturday. <laughs> okay, well, we you know we it was some football being played last night. Of course, it was Sunday, and it's a big game tonight. Going on Monday Night Football, but the biggest talk from the weekend, I I want to say, and the biggest talk from last night, did you see that Odell Beckham catch? Yeah, I, yeah, I did, but you know what? That was, um, I made that catch before. I sent you a picture. Man, I don't want to hear that. I do not want to hear that. I made that catch before, man, but that was a great catch. It, it was great. It was a great catch in, in the sense that. We watched that guy before games, before practice, kind of like we watched Larry Fitzgerald uh, go out there and do pregame yeah. and catch the ball with one hand the whole time. Odell, and, and that's another guy who was at Exxon last year when we was working out. I mean, he did these things. But when you see him, and most guys, they fail to they fail to understand that practice how you're going to play instead of going through the motion so when it happens, you're not prepared for it or you will be prepared for it. Odell Beckham makes those catches all the time. It just happened at a full-speed, fast-paced football game, and he gets into the end zone. The catch was, catch was awesome. I yeah. tell you that much. But uh, it, at the end of the, at the end of the day, it, it didn't result in a win. But it helped them. He was a huge part of what they were trying to do with New York Giants, and they couldn't stop that guy at all. It was a great catch. Yeah, he had. Yeah, not not only was did he have a great catch, a great moment. I think the best moment. Um, in sports thus far this year, uh, definitely with football, but he had a big time game to back it up. It wasn't just all about the catch. He had finished up with ten catches, a hundred, what forty eight yards, yeah. two touchdowns. I mean, he, he had a coming out party, and you know he's still just a rookie. Not only that, I like the way he handled himself after the game in the media. You know, he was still thinking about the team at the end of the day, and like you said, like he was make sure he made statements that like, hey, I do this in practice, I do this before games, after games. It's, this is nothing new. I mean, it's just a play that I made. But I think the whole big picture of 
it, it just the just when he made it and how he made this play. I mean, a lot of guys like like he said, he practices it all the time. But how do you know that this this is going to happen? How do you know this moment like this uh, going to happen during a live game in a big moment? And he he made it happen, which makes it more even more incredible because you not only things that you think about if throwing your arm back like ah, maybe I can catch this one like he snagged it and it was all fingertips all hands and I mean that's what made it that much more bigger but also the way he handled himself after the game which is incredible well yeah you got to prepare for the big moments and you can't if you never prepare for them when they come you don't know what to do uh, uh he had 146 yards uh receiving yards and two touchdowns right both of them was a uh, both of them was huge. I mean, they lost twenty eight thirty one to Dallas in Giants. And you look at the Giants, and they look like they had pretty much control of the entire game. And now you know, I watch football differently since I got into this uh, fantasy stuff. I don't care who wins or lose; my guys do well. Right? Uh, I, I had like a fifty point lead. I had a fifty point lead on this one guy. Oh, he has Des Bryant and Odell Beckham on his team. Two, two receivers. Now. I was hoping one of them got off, or even if one of them got off, I wasn't hoping anyone really. Right. But if one of them got off, I figured I feel like I would be still in great shape. Odell Beckham had twenty six point four fantasy points, and Dez Bryant had twenty point six, scoring that late touchdown to put him ahead. He had eighty six reception yards and two uh, receiving touchdowns in that thirty one twenty eight win destroyed me, man. So I, I was up by 50, <laughs> like I said. But now I'm up by three, and tonight we both got... Is Buffalo playing tonight? Are they going to play in that uh, weapon? Yeah, they're playing. They have their game. Um, they got, uh, their game got moved to Detroit. They're playing tonight. Uh, playing I think it's around Buffalo. 5 Wait, uh, Well, I have Chris the, Ivory. In the I Jets. I have Chris Ivory at Buffalo, and, and he has Stephen Smith at New Orleans. Man, I'm done. I'm losing game. <laughs> I don't know. Chris Ivory could get off against that Buffalo defense. They're playing. They're playing in a neutral environment, so it's not like you playing in Buffalo in the cold. I, know, I would rather. Uh, where they move the game to? They, they was, moved it to that's Detroit. What I was wondering where they move the game to, but I know they was trying to pay um, fans and uh, locals to shove the snow out and give them game tickets. So where they move it to? What? Wow, I, I didn't hear that story, but. Yeah, they moved the game to uh, Detroit. Did they? That's what the reports came out during the week that um, the game was hosted. It's going to be hosted in Detroit. And so they're playing in the end. What's that? I wonder why Detroit. Maybe because it was a dome and you don't mess yeah. with their grass uh, and the season. But especially for, let's say you host a game in, um, in a stadium with grass. Uh, but you mess up the season for the rest of that for that team for the rest of the moving forward. Exactly. So I guess Detroit since the turf. Yeah, it's indoor turf, indoor facility. So uh, they they want to attract some type of fans um, still in that East Coast area, I guess you could say, and try to try to drag, try to bring some fans in because you got two New York teams about to go at it. So of course the media is going to be there. Why not do it in Detroit? Keeping in that East Coast feeling. A lot of Buffalo Bills and New York Jets fans are around that area, especially in that state of even in the state of Michigan. So you're going to get a lot of uh, fan base from each team, and it's not really home field advantage. I would, if I were you, I would want Buffalo to even uh, for that game to be in the snow because Chris Ivory probably get forty plus touches 
That's a lot of yeah, yards. Yeah, I wanted to be in the snow because you got to run the football. Exactly. That's what I want. I would rather be in the snow and the cold. But you putting Steve Smith on turf, and he's your New Orleans defensive suspect, even though uh, Rob Ryan, uh, defense coordinator, has gotten better over there. But I can, I can see them. I don't understand, man, these guys. I watch, I'm watching football today. Yeah. I'm watching football today, and um, these guys don't understand – who guys are you talking about? What guys are you talking about? I'm talking about defensive guys. Okay. They don't understand that I cannot let a Dez Bryant score in this moment. I cannot let a whomever the star is, like an O.L. Beckham, I can't let them score in this moment. But they still let I, I was watching, uh, what game was this? This was the, it went down in a score. What game was this? And I'm like, how did you do that before half? With Dallas? They just, oh, Denver. Denver mm-hmm. went, came, drove down, and scored on, who were they playing yesterday? Denver. Uh, Denver was they? playing Miami. Yeah. Miami had the lead. Uh, Miami had the lead, but Denver was uh, right before the half. They just drove down and scored. I'm like, how you don't understand severity of the game and what's important right here? That was, it was crazy to me. Well, I mean, if you're playing your keys and it's all about the schemes and that offense just finds a way to – chip downfield, make passes here and there. And if they catch you sleeping, I mean, it, it's, you got to get credit to the offense as well. And the defense, yeah, as the defense, you should step up and say, hey, we can't let them score at this moment in time, especially. I get a lot of credit. I give a lot yeah. of credit to the offense, but they wasn't, it wasn't doing anything at the time. And then they just, all, but it is Peyton Manning also, but right. they were playing defensively. You know, Miami has a pretty good defense, but uh, defensively they were shutting them down. But then you go into that pre-beat defense, hoping just to give up a field goal, worst case scenario, and you give up a touchdown. Yeah, cool. yeah. You, I mean, problem. yeah. And I mean, how do you? What do you tell a defense like that in that situation? How do you? How would you handle that? What, you gotta what, have what? you gotta have the um, right people on the field that understand the severity of it. That you shouldn't have to tell them anything, but it will be mentioned on the field. Don't let them in the end zone. Um, but a lot of defense coordinators. As dumb as they are, they say they tell them soften up, soften up. Don't give up the big play. Well, why are you not giving up the big play? They're catching the balls in front of you, so now you got to make tackles. And we see a lot of missed tackles. You put the guy, the ball in the right hand, with, well, of a guy who can make you miss tackles. Well, I throw a lot of underneath routes. That'll eat up yards also. When you got timeouts, you got two timeouts on the clock, and you got to go 60, 70 yards. That's nothing, to Peyton Manning. Right. I, I'm not going. I'm not going. Peyton Manning's not going to beat you deep. But he'll throw those intermediate routes where right. those guys have to make tackles or break tackles. Not only that, but that's the difference between a win and a loss because Miami ended up losing, what, by three points at the end of the yeah, game? Yeah, they lost 36-39. Uh, and like you said, they didn't go on that minute 42 drive before the half. Even if they get a field goal, you're looking at a tie ball game at the end of the game. But with them scoring, that's a victory. If you keep them to no points, Miami wins. Yeah, if they play, if they come out in the same outcome in the second half, Ryan uh, Tannehill did get thirty two point six points, so <laughs> he did his job for me. But you just don't lose game when you're still watching the game. You're still a football fan, or you know, you know the game itself. You wonder how that is possible. You still believe in him? Give up those points late in, right before the half. A lot of teams lose football games right before the half or at the end of the game. Yeah, unfortunately, and those teams have the lead. And coaches hate that. Coaches really like just like last night's game. Uh, again, like you mentioned it before, uh, between Dallas and New York, 
I turned the game off at halftime, or at least I changed the channel. It was 21-10. It was going into halftime. New York had a good amount of lead, and I was pretty shocked. Roma wasn't moving the ball. Uh, I think Des Bryant was shut down at the time, and I think it was after Beckham made that tremendous catch, and I'm just like, wow, New York, like they got this. And I started flicking through the channels. I turned back on that last drive. Dallas wins the ball game. So, like you said, like that play does matter before the end of a half game. You can't lose a game, to me, in football at the end of the first half or the beginning of the second half. That first drive of the third quarter sets the tone for the second half. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the worst right there. And then that shows the uh, undisciplined of a team also. And and you look at most of these guys are robots, and they do exactly what the play entails, entails it to do, or they listen to the coach. But sometimes you got to be a baller. Sometimes you got to be a playmaker. Right. And you can go in there and be within the scheme, but you got to understand, I need to make a play right here without costing the team anything. Right. You got to cut. You got that means tighten your coverage a little bit and understand. I cannot give a big play. And then you put that in your head, then it happens. Right, exactly. And, like, I don't understand if it kills the momentum because Dallas definitely had momentum jump off in that third quarter as well with Romo leading that drive downfield and then Beasley catching a deep pass for about 45 yards out. And then Des Bryant started to get comfortable and they start finding ways. You letting that team right back in it once again. Yeah, you know who didn't. You know who didn't show up yesterday. Um, oh, it, it was a good about? game too. You look. Did you watch the Minnesota Green Bay game? Um, and that, that was. A I did game. watch that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, he, he eliminates some of those mistakes. He just may be okay for that team uh, in Minnesota. But uh, Randall Cobb, he, didn't, he really he didn't show up. Well, it wasn't his fault, really. And no, it wasn't his fault. I'm talking about for my benefit. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about for my fantasy points. Five point, yeah. eight points, right? That's not gonna do he's usually in the ten worst case scenario, he's usually at ten. Right. Well he got he got he got checked last night or yesterday. Yeah, but they well they had a pretty good defense now. Minnesota a, defenses. Yeah. And they had a great, they had a great scheme against Andrew Aaron Rodgers. I mean Aaron Rodgers always tend to struggle against Minnesota some way, somehow. And yeah. throughout his career. And, yeah, Randall Cobb had five targets, but he ended up with five catches, 58 yards. I don't think mm-hmm. Rodgers could even really look for him to give him the ball. Of course, he's looking Jordan Nelson's way, fir- Jordan Nelson's way first, first, first and, and foremost. Yeah, because he ended up with 12 targets with eight catches. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, 12 targets and eight catches. Yeah. You remember the beginning of the year, there was about 12 to 15 targets. Right. He was hot. Right. <laughs> That's the only man he he was throwing to and trusting. But I was pretty happy with uh with Aaron Rodgers, I guess, throwing this play. We're, kind of, we're talking about fantasy. I was happy because Eddie Lacy took over that ball game. And he had 25 carries, 125 yards, touchdown, rushing touchdown, and a receiving touchdown. So I was, I had, I was pretty happy with his performance. Because you know well, Eddie Lacy at the right? beginning. Yeah, that's my running back. That was my, what, second-round pick? And mm-hmm. he's been letting me down all season to these last few weeks. He's been picking up his play like I told you he would, which he's been picking up his play. He's been looking like the old Eddie Lacy of last season as when, during his rookie year. So, And I told you <laughs> he going to get a concussion and going to be out two games, and which he was, did. He's going he gonna to get another one. But Minnesota messed up right here. 
If you could beat uh, Green Bay in Minnesota, mm-hmm. you can forget about trying to beat them in, in Green Bay, especially you playing them in the wintertime now. Truth. Very true that's that. Gonna, that's going to be a tough one. Now, I know Minnesota is just as cold as Green Bay or Wisconsin, but they're indoors. Yeah. Green Bay play outdoor at Lambeau. It's going to be a tough one. Well, Minnesota, they're, I, th- I believe their game is out, outdoors as well because they still getting their oh, new stadium renovated. Next year, right? So they, yeah, they're playing at the University of Minnesota. They're playing at Gopher, the Gopher Stadium. They're sharing the same stadium uh-huh. Saturdays and Sundays. So, yeah, but like you said, when you when you get Aaron Rodgers, when you, when you have a chance to close the ball game, you got to close that out, especially at home, especially in the same division. You got to close that one out. And I think Minnesota, they they, they had the lack they have the lack of maturity. They, I'm not talking about Chicago's maturity, the Bears' maturity. I'm talking just they don't have the experience just yet, and they're putting all these pieces together. What's this? Their fourth quarterback in like three years, uh-huh. so they're starting to. Get it, get it together, and they're competing against great teams. They're just now coming out on outcomes. They haven't really been blown out this season per se, like Jacksonville and Oakland and Tampa Bay. But I mean, they're, they're four and seven in the division. They're under Detroit, Chicago, and Green Bay. They're going to come together in, in the next few next few years, I believe so. So they don't need to. Yeah, <laughs> they ain't got a choice. And Cordell Patterson, I'm ready to just never draft him ever again. In my fantasy, Cordell Patterson. I was believing in Cordell Patterson at all times, but he he almost in that Trent Richardson status. But we're not even going to talk about that as well. What do you, what do you make about uh, Josh Gordon coming back? And he's due back this. Is it this week? He played last week. He played the other. Oh day. yeah, he did. That's right. He did play. He's I thought it was back. yeah. I thought it was next week, but yeah, he did play this week. Um, it's it's a bit funny, but. Uh, I thought he, I thought he should be suspended throughout this whole season. Not only because the marijuana issues and with him getting caught so many times, but mm-hmm. other illegal issues that he's been getting in trouble with the law, speeding tickets, DUIs. He, you should have put more punishment on him. Um, I don't see what's the point now. I throw him in there with Cleveland. I mean, it didn't help Brian Horry out no way either. I mean, he threw two interceptions. Everybody was on Twitter was going off about putting in Johnny Menzel now. Cleveland, they're sitting. Yeah, but you can't do that. Yeah. You can't because a guy having a bad game. It's the guy you ride and die with him. Those the fans on Twitter don't know football. Right. And you gonna mess up that chemistry. Johnny Manziel would have been a good spell if they was out of the game. Cleveland had a kick. Cleveland came back and wanted to get a field goal. Right. Atlanta is the one that stinks. <laughs> Atlanta is an underachieving team. Exactly. Josh Gordon had eight receptions, 120, 120 yards, out right. of 15 yards of receiving, a reception. And and that's a that's a great return. He didn't get it in the end zone, but I mean that's a great return back. Yeah, that's a good warm yeah, up game. Uh, that's a great warm up performance. Hoya had uh, he threw for we well, had two interceptions, but he threw for three hundred twenty two yards. When you throw the ball, when you have forty attempts. Defensively, we always say you got to make those either sack them every twelve drops, every ten to twelve dropbacks, or pick the ball off every right. ten to twelve dropbacks. He had forty attempts, so right twenty three for forty. 322 yards to interception. Exactly. You got to make those plays. Uh, and I thought you just don't bring into you don't bring in a Johnny Manziel. You're right. And hey, we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, yeah, we're gonna talk more about Sunday, about Sunday's games and Saturday's games, and about those Cardinals as well. See if they're real or not. So we're gonna take a quick break. We listen to Kwame Last for Sports Talk. We'll be right back. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hey, welcome back to the Kwame Lasker Sports Talk Show. Coming back off the break. Uh, during the break, you know, it was some discussion um, that was being talked about. It was another great, great ball game being played yesterday on Sunday. Uh, a convincing game, a very, it could change the look of the playoffs, could change the look of the division game. It was between the Arizona Cardinals and Seattle Seahawks, which the game was played in Seattle, with Seattle coming on top 19 to 3. Um, very defensive game. Not not a lot of offense, but that's what you get out of Seattle anyway. But I was very surprised out of the Cardinals really couldn't really move the ball. They didn't look like their normal selves. And I don't know if it's time if it's almost time for Arizona to start panicking because it's what? a lot of football. It's a lot of football game left. And I told you this before, Kwame. I told you that nine and one record. It's good for right now. I'm glad that they, they've done better than what they always done in the past. And it's the best season thus far, best team in the past few years with them starting off at 9-1. and But I always kept telling you, like, there's something about Arizona where I'm just not jumping on the bandwagon just yet. They're playing great never. football. They're playing – they got a great defense. I love Todd Bowles and his blitzing schemes and Bruce Arians. I'm all for Bruce Arians, but – when Carson Palmer went down, I was like, I I don't know about this the, them being Super Bowl bound just just yet. I wasn't ready to jump on that bandwagon all the way yet. You wasn't on the bandwagon even close to it. You right. didn't you didn't like the Cardinals. You just we <laughs> keep to say what it is. You a dealer, Indianapolis Colts guy when they got thrashed yesterday. But I'm not just, like I'm a, I'm a fan of the football. I I do like the Cardinals. I, oh, I know you're a fan of football. Yeah. But you talking about the Cardinals like everybody else. You talking <laughs> about the Cardinals like they are two and nine, and those two games they did win were mm-hmm. just the best team in the history of ever football. The Cardinals are nine and two. They lost two games away: Seattle and Denver. Seattle is which, which is one of the tough places to play right in football. 
although they went out there last year and they beat them. The Cardinals got the Seattle Seahawks again. And if you watch that game, mm-hmm. one thing they didn't do offensively, they didn't match the intensity that Seattle had. Seattle came out there and it was consistent. It was very consistent. The defense of the Cardinals was consistent, very consistent. They kept them out of the end zone except that one play. Right. You look at the score, it was 9, I believe it was 9, or it was 12 to 3 or 12 to 6, something like that. And then they finally got in the end zone. But that's right. a bend but don't break. And they finally broke because yeah. the offense put them in a position where it was on the field every five snaps, every six snaps. You can't have too many three and outs. Offensively, you have to move the ball. And they were just not ready to do that in that tough environment. I've always been in the mindset that I don't care where we play. The football field's still the same. You, you're there for one reason, and that's when you become stronger when you're on a roll. You block everything out. Right. You don't hear that crowd. You just go out there and play. It doesn't affect the defense because when the defense, when the Cardinals defense is on the field, the Seattle offense is on the field, obviously. But there's no crowd noise. Now, that's, that switches when the Seattle defense is on the field because now that 12th man and one of the loudest places, they call it 12th man, one of the loudest places to play is Seattle in right. Kansas City. Those are some tough places to play. I, again, I don't think the intensity was matched. Not Carlos, at all. But everybody's talking about the Cardinals like they're not 9-2. Like, those, like that six-game win streak they had was luck. They, they lost two games. Coming out of bye, coming out of their bye week, they lost to Denver. And Denver at that point was playing at a high level. They went up to Seattle, which we knew was going to be tough. Right. I don't think the Cardinals ever said we're going to go 15-1. and one. We're going to go 15-1. and one. We're going to go up here and, and beat them. That's the game plan. Right. Stick to the game plan. Let's go play. But, you, but the Arizona Cardinals went up there, and they couldn't, they couldn't get any momentum. They couldn't get any momentum. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fitzgerald was out. Uh, I didn't think that one guy would make a difference, but that is Larry Fitzgerald. You still have to pay attention to him. I think he um, def- Yeah. And they dropped some balls. Yeah, and you, draw some ball. you can't throw interceptions <laughs> on a roll and, and and expect to win in that tough environment. Yeah, especially not in Seattle. Not not at all. And you struggling to move the ball. You can't even run the ball. Uh, with Andre Ellington, he had ten carries, twenty four yards, averaging what two and a half yards a carry, if that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, his longest run was seven yards. In, in a hostile environment, like you say, you don't have your one of your leaders over the f- past what decade, and um, Larry Fitzgerald. And, yeah, he does make a big difference in the passing game because you always got to keep an eye out on him. Take him out the game. All you got to do is worry about John Brown, Jaron Brown, and uh, Michael Floyd. The, the pass, it, that's a whole other different scheme. These guys are good players, but they, it makes it that much harder for them to work to get open once you don't have a Larry Fitzgerald, especially against that secondary in the Legion of Boom in Seattle. But my thing is, like last, like you said last season, they bought, they matched their intensity when they went up to Seattle. I mean, they kind of shocked the world when they went up there to beat Seattle. When they finished, Arizona finished ten and six, and it's just saying, like, you know, this team is here. You saw consistent play. No, they don't have top end superstars besides Patrick Peterson. I think maybe Larry Fitzgerald. They're not going to win a lot of games on talent, but they have a great team. And sometimes talent. Uh, with with the lack of talent, sometimes you're not going to win all the games. So I agree with that. But when I mean, you got a strong team against another strong team, you don't have all your weapons. It started to show, and I'm not saying this is Arizona's true colors came out, but where they're at now, it's it, it's, it's kind of scary because Seattle's coming well, and San Francisco's I, coming. I would I would say this: 
the world need to be more advanced in their football knowledge and their football <laughs> IQ because the Cardinals were ten and six last year. So right. them shocking the world beating Kansas City. I mean, I'm sorry, beating the Seattle Seahawks was it was not a. You got a ten and six team. You had a team that missed the playoffs because of the conference they play in. Right. You had a team that missed the playoffs because of, I, I think uh, the, the San Francisco Forty Nineers were twelve and four. You had the Seattle Seahawks was thirteen and three or something like that. You had a tough division, and these guys are holding their own. So they go up to Seattle. You supposed to lose. It's like you playing your rivals rivalry every weekend in that division, in that conference. You you go with a division. You go and they, U of A could mm-hmm. be zero and ten. ASU could be ten and one. Right. And and lose that game because we play each other. We know each other. It's a rivalry, and teams get up for it. The one thing I will say to that is that the Arizona Cardinals didn't get up for this game like I seen them in the past six games when they were well on that six game winning streak. Yeah. Intensity level just wasn't there. Yeah. And when they won those six games it was I mean, they played some tough teams in that six game stretch. And then when they won out these six games, you're talking Philadelphia, Dallas, Detroit. But during during those games they were so consistent on their defense on their offense in Seattle. They, their defense was very consistent against Seattle Seahawks. They just, like you said, they broke a little bit at the end, towards the end. Once Russell Wilson started making plays and throwing little passes, making little runs here and there, and it started to break with uh, Arizona. They're, they played, what, they, they had to have been out there 40-plus plays um, over and over, like those drives were pretty long. Their defense, I know the Cardinals' defense was very tired. You can't turn over yeah. football. You cannot not run the ball against Seattle. At least have a little bit of success. I, I didn't see a lot in their special games neither. Uh, they just weren't hitting on all cylinders. I don't know uh, how you go on a roll and you. And it seems like a bad game. So I don't, I don't want to put too much of a dark cloud over this because the Cardinals are nine and two. Right. They still have one of the best records, if not the best record in the National Football League. They did go on a six-game winning streak. Right. They lost to a Seattle team who won a Super Bowl last year, and still a pretty good Super Bowl uh, contender. Right. Even though their record is what it is, you have to be humble uh, into what they do over there in Seattle. They, you line up in front of them, they're gonna give you everything they have. They still have a manageable quarterback who who controls the game and manages that team well offensively. You do have a defense over there where these guys make plays. You have some smart defensive guys over there. Uh, when you look at the Cardinals side, the Cardinals was in the backfield pretty much the entire game. Right. So you getting sacks is one thing. You got to get interceptions to turn that ball over. Uh, and that's what didn't happen as much as it normally did in the prior games the Cardinals did play. Right. They got a lot of sacks. They get the ball over. You can turn the ball over. And you got to have turnovers to win those games or consistent offense. It's okay to punt. But don't, but don't be putting on a, a long field where you're giving uh, your opponent's great field position. Exactly. And what I liked about the Cardinals' play, what was strong about their play is in the first half with everything not going to Cardinals' way on the offensive end, with them not moving the ball, at halftime, the game was 9-3. to three. So that means as soon as halftime, you get back from halftime, you got a chance to take the lead, even yes. with the way that the first half even went. So Did you see? Was that? Did you see? It was 9-3, right? Yeah. Yep. The Cardinals uh, stand through a ball to, uh, um, I think it was Javon Brown, mm-hmm. and he dropped it in the end zone. He jumped. This is why I tell kids, stop jumping to catch the football when you don't have to because all you do is change the dynamic for where your hands are oh, as, man. as to where they were supposed to be. Right. And, you, and in a fast-paced game, you can make those type of mistakes, which he did. 
Right. Yeah, I I got that talk from many old ball coaches and old receiver coaches. Do not jump when the ball is near you. It's I understand though, but I, I know that feeling like you just want to make the catch so bad. You want to make sure you can hone this catch in. You want to use your body, but like you said, your hands go in a whole another place, and your body reacts and it jumps off your body sometimes. And right. which yeah, they had they had their chance, they had their shots, but. It's going to be hard. It's kind of hard to win ball games with your defense out on the field 35-plus minutes and your offense out there 24 minutes. It's kind of that's really hard to win ball games. you got to have a strong offensive unit, strong quarterback, and leading that way. So at this point, do you think the Cardinals, do you think it's, it's panic time for them? Do you think they're going to? I don't think, I don't think it's panic time at all. Remember now, they went for a six-game winning streak, and they had caused some problems. But before that, they won some games and had Drew Stanton. Drew Stanton beat the San Francisco 49ers he, before uh, Carson Palmer's return. Right. I think he can still get it done. This is a quarterback who was with uh, Bruce Aarons and um, he was with him in Indianapolis. Right. So he knows his offense. He knows uh, there's, there's a reason why he's a, he's a backup quarterback, but there's also a reason why uh, Bruce Aarons trusts this guy. He brought him along with him because he knew the offense. He can go out there and get it done. We've seen some great plays by uh, Drew Stanton. We've seen some plays where he gets his team moving. Uh, and I don't think they narrowed or stripped the offense down so he could be successful. I think everything, the playbook is still open for him. Right. I don't think there's no panic mode. They are 9-2. and two. There's no panic mode when you're 9-2 because you played the Seattle Seahawks and then you lost them in their home stadium. There's no panic. You got to go to Atlanta. You got to go on a road. Road games are tough anyway by nature. You have to travel. When the home team doesn't have to travel, they're home in the confines of their environment. Yep. You have to, if you're Arizona Cardinals, go to Atlanta and pull that game off to a wounded Atlanta who just lost to Cleveland by a field goal. And Atlanta has been overachieving for the past two, three years, if you, in my opinion. But you have to, if you're the Arizona Cardinals, take your dominance defense-wise, and you have to establish something with that offense while Drew Stanton is under the center. And you have to find a way to win these football games because when you come back home, so when you get into the bulk of uh, Seattle, who's coming to Arizona, right. when you get into having to go to San Fran if you're the Arizona Cardinals, when you get into having to go to St. Louis Rams, who playing well, Ooh, and we know that record is not uh, indicative of their play, you're going to have to get your offense going in a different manner, whereas you got to be consistent and keep yeah. our defense off the field so many plays consistently. But that, bo- that, bother- that bothers me a little bit more, Kwame, knowing that, you don't know what you're going to get from Atlanta. You don't know. They can come out and Julio Jones and Matt Ryan are connecting left and right. They can have a great offensive day, and then the next day they can come out and score three points. But you're going to Atlanta. Not only that, you're going the next week you're hosting Kansas City, who beat Seattle what last week, week before last. Then you got to go to the biggest black hole in the NFL in St. Louis Rams. or That's, that's a hard game to go into. Um, St. Louis, they win at home. Even against, they beat Seattle earlier this season as well. And then you got Seattle again at home and then at San Francisco. This is why I think it's, before this game, before them losing, it was an automatic, okay, it was a belief of they're going to win this division. This team is tough. They weren't going to win out. You know they were going to take a loss or so here. But do you think it's the right time for them to take this loss on the road at Seattle? I think, I think, uh, there's never a right time to take a loss. Well, no, no, saying. nobody likes to. Yeah, you but. know how you got a team that's, uh, oh, for example, 
the Seattle Seahawks last year. They were just dominating. They were going through teams. But they almost lost to Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay. Yeah. And they ended up winning the game 20 to 23. But it was a, it was a wake up call for them. I think uh, if the Cardinals would have played better offensively and got closer into that game, it could have been a wake up call that, you know, we, we almost just lost this. And, you know, granted, they lost the game, but the wake up call um, point that I'm trying to make is that you got to play a little better. We got to be more consistent. I'm sure they watch these films yeah. and they just cringe at all the mistakes they did to the make, that they made, all the opportunities that they blown, that they blew. Uh, but in, in in college football, mm-hmm. if you're gonna make a mistake, if you're Alabama, you can make it late. But if you're anybody else, you're gonna make it early and fight your way back into those games or playoff games. Right. So I hear what you're saying, but I don't. I think this nine and two Cardinals team gonna gonna revamp and their their practice habits. You can get low until we are the greatest after winning six straight games and having a ten and six season last year and 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 I think they'll be I don't think they'll be twelve and four this year. Mm-hmm. I think they'll pull it off and be a twelve fourteen in the playoffs. Hopefully they clinch home field. You just I think you you don't want to go ten and six. You don't want to repeat ten and six. You can't go ten and six it is it is over. You can't. Be, yeah, exactly. And they're gonna this NFC West is about to get very interesting for these last five weeks. Because St. Louis is a tough team to beat. Like you said, in the same division, you know each other. So St. Louis knows San Francisco, just like San Francisco knows Seattle and Arizona. They all know each other too well. Because none of these wins are guaranteed per se, like the Colts going to Jacksonville or Tennessee in their division. These games I mean, even with St. Louis in there four and seven, they can beat any team in the NFL at any given day without their starting right. quarterback. Same thing with Arizona. Look at them; they're nine and two without Carson Palmer, without Larry Fitzgerald right now, and they're sitting at nine and two. So I don't. And I don't know how much. Yeah. I don't know how long was spraying MCL because I had an MCL, mm-hmm. but I don't know how much. How long? I think a spraying MCL might be two weeks. But I don't know if he even goes to Atlanta and play on that turf with a spraying MCL. I think he. Uh, I think they can beat Atlanta. I really do. They can beat Atlanta with uh, what they have. Right. Uh, you just have to make those plays that they couldn't capitalize off in that Seattle game. Nothing's going to change offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe look little, little things because of what Atlanta does. Uh, but I think they beat Atlanta in this game at home on the road. They have to if they want to be. Uh, if they don't want us and all the media and everybody talking about them the way everyone's about to start talking about them. Right. Like if they for real or not, or or was they front runners? Well, they nine and two. They win two more. They win three more games. I think they'd be great. They in great shape. There is on the problem. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll talk more about it after this break coming up. We're gonna come over to our last segment uh, after the break. We're gonna take a quick break here right now. You listen to Kwame Lasher Sports Talk Show. We'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. 
It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacey DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Hey, welcome back to the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Show. We are into our last segment, so we can't take any more callers in today for this show, but you can call in tomorrow. The number is 888. Uh-oh, sorry, I had a little drop-off. 888-346-9144. Yep. 888-346-9144 is the number. Correct. Going into our last segment, you know, I like that happy song because right now I'm feeling a little happy. My alma mater, Indiana State, Made the playoffs for the first time in 30 years. Congrats to them. They, they got in to the FCS. Yep. They made the playoffs for the first time in 30 years in 1984. What was you doing back in 84? 84? I don't know about four, but 84, I'm <laughs> on, uh, I said four. I said four. <laughs> what are you talking about? 1984, yeah. So congrats to them. I'm happy for them. But other going back to the other game Sunday, what was your biggest joke? What was your biggest surprise or... The biggest moment you think of this past weekend? Well, I expected. I, I was. We were talking about the Cardinals. I expected them to play better on offense. I know. I know the severity. I know what it was going into Seattle, um, but I didn't think they did, did not have a chance to put it off. They, even though they wasn't moving the ball offensively, that defense was playing at a high level as far as keeping them off. But there's only so much you can do. So I, I was saying my surprise is not just the loss. But the way the offense came out and played. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is Larry Fitzgerald, but that, that one guy, the scheme still makes moves. You still, not John Brown. John Brown played well. Uh, yeah. They yeah. did drop a couple balls that uh, was could have been sustaining drives. But what's the other guy's name? I think it was Javon Brown. I, I would find his name. Oh, yeah, Javon but the, Brown. Um, just the way they played on offense is my biggest surprise. And then my fantasy points pulling down to three points from fifty. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a crime waiting to happen. Man, I would have been. I'm, I'm yeah. Well, what are what are what are the odds of his two receivers just having great ball games on a Sunday? Yeah, it's Brian and <laughs> Odell Beckham. I yeah. don't care. One of them could get off. Right. I expected. I thought it would be Dez Brown, Odell. I watched him. I watched him in uh, workouts and all that stuff when he was at LSU, and then he came out here to train at XO. So I knew. That he was going to be that guy, mm-hmm. but I just didn't. He was unstoppable, man. I don't, yeah. If they, it's too bad that uh, Victor Cruz went down because they were part offensively, and then their running back went down. And I think they might have one retired too. Yeah. Offensively, they could be a better team than they are, and you because you saw some glimpses of it, some highlights of what they are offensively. Yeah. And then that defense. I, it goes hand in hand. You play better offense, you may you could do some things on defense and vice versa. Right, but at the same time, I mean that defense could be better than what they display as well. 
Because whatever happened to the likes of Jason Pierre-Paul? I mean, this guy was supposed to change the game as a defensive end unit. The way that guy is structured, I mean, he's not your typical 6'2", 6'3", defensive end. I mean, this guy is 6'6", long arms, quick off the ball. I mean, and he just disappeared. You know, right. it's that's so that defense could be playing better as well. And I thought Pierre-Paul was going to be a superstar to be, but he slowly but surely is falling, falling down the charts. Um, NBA news, you know, everybody's talking about the Cavs um, with LeBron patience running pretty thin. I think the media, they should just knock that off, just knock it off, just stop giving this man havoc. How do they really know that his patience is running thin? Has LeBron came out and said, my patience is running thin? No. That's what, that's what happened with all these um, <laughs> all these so-called know-it-alls. Uh, you haven't talked to a guy. That's what uh, – that's what uh, Kirk was talking about when he called into the show. Yeah, right. How you right. Um, create a story about Tiger Woods because he didn't get your interview, but you make up a whole thing. How you didn't you didn't talk to LeBron? You know his patience. You can see because you watch him play from day one. You can see his mannerisms as as far as his patience. You can probably see that. But you can't write a story until you talk talk to him. Right. That's what drives me crazy about um, uh, reporters and and editors, not editors, but those who report and write story columns on people. Right. And I think they're on a, like a four-game losing streak, three-game losing streak. It's the NBA. It's plenty of basketball left. You know the Cavs are going to get in the playoffs. You know they're going to turn things around, and then it's going to be big stories and blogs. Oh, the Cavs are winning the championship because they're going to win like 12 games in a row. You got the best player on the planet on, on the team. He's back at home. He's gonna. They're going to get this thing right. Yeah, they're going to go through struggles. He already admitted to it. So I don't think – why even have the speculation of his patience running thin? Why even put that on that man's shoulders to even see or his even his young teammates to see it in the locker room? Because they they're not going to know how to react to it because they've never been around it. So I, I think it's I think foolishness. He's the best player. He's the best player on the planet with a with a with a pretty good to great supporting cast because he had that in Miami. He didn't have that when he when he was in Cleveland the first time. Right. So it, it, it looked like he was the best, and he was. I'm not taking this away from LeBron. But, I, you know, I look at um, LeBron and, and what they have over there uh, in Cleveland with Kyrie, um, Love. You've got you to keep the ball. Okay, LeBron, you put this team together. But you got to keep the ball in uh, Kyrie's hand. You just, you just got to let him be that guy. Because Kyrie got it in him where he's, look, I, I, I'm here for a reason also. Right. And LeBron got to understand that, in my opinion. And then you got to get uh, Love more active into this game or acclimated because he's under a one-year contract with the Cavaliers, and they do want to extend him. And that's probably why. And that's probably why LeBron took that two-year deal with one-year option, right? Because he knows the salary cap and what it's going to be next year. And you have to get uh, put these players right here. Kyrie's not going anywhere because he's a. Uh, well, he's signed a five-year, ninety million, so he's not going to for at least three years. Yeah, and Kevin Love already said he's going to sign back with the Cavs early in the season, but you never know how things go. But you know they're yeah. they're going to bounce back. You know that that's how LeBron is. That's how every year his teams are. Even with Miami, he come out struggling in the beginning. Everybody has speculation about when he was in Miami and how they're doing, how they start the season off. It, it hasn't even been a whole month yet, and it's no. already. It's already talks talking about him. His patience running thin. Cavs need some growing up to do. They have an NBA rookie coach as well. 
I was going to mention that. The yeah. Coach, the coach could be at fault in all this, too. We, I feel like they're putting LeBron James in there over the coach right now. And he has to take a lot of credit. I'm pretty sure he's taking credit for it as well, but he's not in the headlines. David Blatt, he's the rookie coach, so everybody's giving him an excuse. Where you should be looking at the coaching schemes as well. It was videos showing where LeBron was going off in the team huddles during timeouts, and the coach is just standing there just looking at LeBron and yelling. Like, you got to take control of you being the coach. That's your time to gather your team together, gather your troops, and say, hey, this is what we're going to do differently. We're going to make some, you know, we're going to adapt. To the way it depends we've been on playing. what he was saying too, because if, if you're a coach, or yeah, if you're a coach and, and one of your players is saying some things that you're gonna say, it sounds better coming from a player because of his passion, not to not to uh, degrade any of his teammates, but that that's LeBron. But how he said and what he's saying might be the reason why the coach uh, kind of held back and let that take place. Uh, but you know, LeBron and Cavaliers they get back on track because they played a. Uh, well, they played Orlando Magic coming up. Who's yeah. six and nine? Cavaliers are five and seven. They just got finished getting beat up by the Toronto Raptors. Who's going eleven and two team? Right. And they're not the best. I would say they are the best team, has the best record. And you're right. It's just barely a month since the season started. <laughs> they could be zero thirteen, like the seventy sixes. <laughs> Right, they could be on exactly right. They could be on thirteen, but they're sitting there five and seven, and they had a rough stretch of, of games because everybody wanted to televise their games against teams that's been together against Houston. They had run-ins against, like you said, Toronto, Washington, Chicago twice already. I mean, and then they had a West Coast, a few West Coast teams as well. And you know, every team out there is could be in the playoffs in the East. So, and they had their run in with Utah with the last second shot. I mean, and against the Spurs, they lost by two with a late turnover. They're going to get this stuff together. Like, you can't. Basketball is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. It, basketball is crazy. So look, look at this. I don't know why they put them through this. Then um, Toronto, Toronto played at Cleveland. Right. Toronto played at Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, so, so Cleveland got the back to back games. Because they had Orlando Magic coming in there, and then the Suns have to go to Toronto, and this is all within one day. This is back to back nights. Yeah, that's crazy schedule they have, man. Traveling and you got to play back to back. Exactly. And Who is this benefiting? Why you? Why there's so <laughs> many games? It's 82 games plus the playoffs. Right. You could make man. You could make that 60 games and plus playoffs. Exactly. So that's what he's got to get some rest. That's why LeBron. That's why LeBron. Made those, made those comments that, you know, he want to cut down on his minutes. Right. He want to sustain his career. Well, with, with almost a month in the NBA, what's your biggest surprise you think thus far? In the NBA, whether yeah, it's player-wise or teams? No, I think it's the, um, yeah, I think it's the Cavaliers. I, I think you, you look at that superstar cast, and and they only surprised for this man. You think because who they are, you think they should be a better record than uh, five and seven. Yeah. Or what was their record? Uh, yeah, five and seven. Yeah, they're five and but seven right now. If you know anything about chemistry, that takes time to get to know each other. And you would like to think, well, why do you need to do that chemistry in in uh, preseason? Well, you're not playing at a high level in preseason. You you can work on your plays or two or a few schemes and of that sort, but. You cannot change him up once the season starts. Because Kyrie was balling in, in during that time. And I think he left the um, the FIFA 
was it FIFA or whatever the All Star game? Or the, yeah, the FIBA World Championships. Yeah, mm-hmm. he left that so he can, uh, you know, get ready for his season because you think, oh, I got LeBron and Kevin Love's coming. Then we got this guy. We traded uh, Wiggins away, or you, you got you got a team that could be reckoned with. But right. you got to remember the chemistry of to all these teams. Uh, you have to put together. In the NBA, that's that just takes time. They don't have their whole team coming back per se, like a Golden State in Portland, in Houston, in Toronto, Washington. These guys have been playing together for years now. So yeah, this is their time to actually show, hey, we've been together, kind of like how the Pacers were in the last few few years before yeah, Wayne Stevenson leaving. Yeah, exactly. But the best surprise to me are those Memphis Grizzlies. Yes, they have been together, but. I mean, they've just been balling. They've been getting it for the, for the for about last five years. But right now, I think they're on a San Antonio Spurs-type run-type deal because they're always getting in the playoffs, but they lose to the Spurs and the Mavericks. And we all know Spurs mm-hmm. have been together for the past decade. So, of course, they're going right. to perform in the playoffs better than anyone else. But look out for the Memphis Grizzlies this year. Mike Conley, I think he's going to finally get that monkey off his back and get into a freaking all-star game because it's well-deserved. And... Not not just because we grew up in the same area that we grew up together, played through the same basketball programs, but he got them he boys. Up, they 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 rolling this season, and they're looking got, uh, really strong, really good. So when they they play the Lakers on the twenty six, um, and they twelve and two right now. Right, um, best yeah, team they, in basketball. But you know what? They're predicated on defense, and then they got some guys who can put the ball in the basket too. But that defense is what's shutting a lot of teams down. You just don't, you're not twelve and two at this point. For nothing, you got twelve and two Grizzlies. You got eleven and two Raptors. I think the um, Golden State might be ten and two. You got some teams that's playing at a high level because of the because they've been together for a while, exactly three or more years, and understanding and the pieces they add on to it. Even Dallas Mavericks, uh, ten and ten and four, right? But they understand their roles, and you got guys who show up night in and night out. Yeah, exactly. another surprise. It's not so much a surprise though, but. You got the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, but you got both of your, your stars out of the game. They three and twelve. Yeah, and that's a team that'll make the playoff as the eighth seed, I believe. Once they come back, you think and so? That eighth seed might propel them to be into a championship game because you'll be getting these guys back, and they'll be just getting better and better night in and night out. Yeah, I hope they just I hope they just don't put themselves in the biggest hole to try to get themselves so they out, can't of. Come out of. Yeah, because. I mean, right now, I think the Clippers are 7-5. They're not even in a um, playoff eight. It's too early to talk about playoffs, but they're 7-5, and they probably have, I think, like the 11th best record in the, in the West. Uh-huh. And, but they, they haven't put themselves in the hole. They're still in the winning record. But if Oklahoma City puts themselves way too far back, then you got to build that chemistry of this season's play with Kevin Durant playing off a of broken foot and Russell Westbrook. Then you got to build that back around the guys who've been out there. So I just hope they don't put themselves in a bigger, bigger hole than what they are in right now. And, I think they'd be all right. Yeah. And the biggest joke I got for you for the weekend: Did you check out Ole Miss taking that thirty to zero loss to Arkansas? Are you kidding me? What? Arkansas won the game thirty to zero. Arkansas was at home hosting Ole Miss Rebels. And you talking about Ole Miss who was in the top four NCAA? Yes, yes, the same <laughs> Ole Miss that was number one that beat the number one team in the country right now, Ole Miss. Right. See, that's crazy because uh, now why is um, 
why is my uh, Florida State still <laughs> number three? Because they beat BC twenty to seventeen. So they winning. All right. No, I hear you. I hear we gotta, you. we gotta, we gotta wrap it up. We gotta wrap it up. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. We sure know where. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. We'll catch you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk Show. Demi Lachey, Kwame Lasseter, we are out. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.